Hello and welcome to Skin, the anti-racist podcast where we talk about all things related to skin and we try to get under your skin. Today we have a very special Black History Month episode where we have welcomed a number of our listeners to answer some of our burning questions. So, let's have them introduce themselves. So my name is Jeff. And I'm a 50-year-old white male living in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And full disclosure, I'm your cousin. (laughs) (laughs) And my name's Christopher Cook. I'm a 54-year-old white male. Uh, I also live in Montreal, um, but originally I'm from New Zealand. I was born and raised in Toronto. My name is Trisha. Um, My Facebook page, my podcast name, Trisha Starr. I'm a single mother of two, and I hate to say single mother doesn't mean that I don't, I have absent father for my children. So their father is very involved. I hate when people say single mother and, you know, it sounds like, oh, the father's not involved. And he just, no, they have a great father. He's very involved, um, but we're just not together. So that's what makes me single. Um, I am a Black female growing up in the urban part of the city. Um, I come from a line of family who's very involved in activism, my mother especially. Um, She actually was my role model, my mentor, showed me what it was to be a strong Black woman in the society we live in, which is very hard. I know um, this is about Black History Month, and so I'm going to touch on racism and um, our community and although it affects people of color not just black people but people of color as a whole people don't realize how much harder it is being a black woman (laughs) so many strikes exes against us right and it's so much harder so she was the foundation of showing me um it's okay to speak out it's okay to advocate for others it's okay to do many things and even within those limits you keep pushing through so um that's how i was raised uh and she's very, very well known in the city in terms of the work she's contributed. Um, she now has a street named after her, which is another thing that I'm proud of. Um, she received the key to the city, which is another thing I'm proud of. So I don't want to say that, you know, um, black women or black people can't make moves that are big moves in society. We can, it's just a lot harder. Um, so I know all about the struggles. <laughs> um, I said I have two children, so I have two teens now. Um, And I worked in the co-op housing industry for about 12 years, and then I moved around, right? So I moved around um, working for a pharmaceutical company. I won't say the name, too much controversy, but um, yeah, that's me. And I have a little podcast that we started for fun with... um, my brother-in-law, who's also a comedian, and uh, one of my best friends, who actually had to step down. There was a lot going on with COVID, so we brought somebody else new in, and we're just uh, reformatting our show a little bit and trying to come back out with the new <laughs> limitations of COVID. So we can't see each other. We can't, you know, do our normal sit on a couch and like eat a slice of pizza and talk about stuff. We have to all keep our space. So just learning to uh, work around those things right now. Um, but that's me. <laughs> So my name is April Campbell. I am a uh, white female and I live in Toronto. Before getting into any of the real hard-hitting questions, I guaranteed all of the interviewees that I would absolutely not be editing out any of their responses. So what you hear is their true ideas, thoughts, and opinions. So let's get into the first question. Name one black Canadian celebrity who is not an athlete or a musician. Huh. That's a very good question. You know, I have to say just uh, in my own defense that I've never been good at trivia. (laughs) Okay, I don't think you should be calling that trivia. It's not trivia. I'm not good at fact-driven questions related to Things in general. <laughs> Things. Um, yeah, so it, it's not an answer to your question at all, but what I can say um, 
is uh, the, the most famous black Canadians that I know of are um, close friends of mine who have made it um, evident in the time that I've known them that uh, being black is uh, a moment Oh, Christopher, sorry, I, 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 he's just making fun of me as I'm talking. But, but no, in all, in all, in all seriousness, the, the most famous black people that I know are, are friends of mine in my, in my life who, uh, who have made me keenly aware that being black um, is, uh, is an experience of, of being recognized or not recognized in a way that's very different from myself as, as, a, as a white male. In, in my defense, I'm not from Canada, but the first, the, fir the first person that came to mind, and I can't remember her name because it was before I came to New Zealand, was the, the governor general, the, the, the female governor general who... Mikael Jean. Exactly. That's the first person I thought of. Also because I don't know anything about sport or music. To be honest, I'm embarrassed because I can't think of one specific famous Canadian that's Black and it's neither. To me... <laughs> Growing up the way I grew up in the demographics of the areas that I grew up in, famous people to me were the black people that I saw in my communities making moves and doing things. And I was actually having this conversation with my cousin who I would say she's one of the famous black people that I know now because she's been, um, been said to look out for her as one of the top 100 black females to watch out for in Canada. She's a lawyer. Um, she's an advocate for the gay queer community. She, she does so many um, activism in the community and outside of Toronto as well. She was um, in Alberta, I believe, doing work out there for a bit too. She's lived in Paris doing work out there. So these are the people to me that are, and not just her, but like, like I said, work that my mom's done, work that people in our Black community that I identify with have done. And I'm just surprised that we don't talk about these everyday people more because the little things that they do are making effective change in the communities. And I've seen it, I've watched it. So I'm a little bit embarrassed and a little bit saddened by that because I feel like we don't learn a lot about that stuff in school. You know, I'm learning about American history in elementary school and I'm learning about a little bit, touching a little bit on native history, but I'm not learning about myself. So there's nothing or there wasn't much teaching me um, or showing me an example that like, you know, there are people that you can identify with that look like you that are doing things, that have done things. You know, I'm now learning through COVID a little bit more about Black culture and community and history, things that I didn't know, which is pretty sad and quite interesting at the very least. So I'm embarrassed by that. By question number one, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Because I don't know, but um, what if I were to what if I were to open it up to a musician or an athlete? Um, to a musician, there's many musicians. Uh, most recently, actually, something I was proud of, and I don't really listen to his music. Um, but the weekend, I was proud to see and know that we had a very. I mean, he's controversial in some ways. <laughs> in terms of his performance, but nothing ever bad attached to his name. So he's been a good um, representation of Canada so far, I believe. Um, but he performed at the Super Bowl. I don't think, I don't recall the many years I've been around seeing like Canadians, especially black, of black or any kind of color <laughs> performing. And that's another thing. We don't really, now we're starting to see more of um, open opportunity for a different generation genre of music to make it out of Canada. When I was growing up, we didn't have that. You know, we had Celine Dion and Shania Twain and, you know, like you didn't have people like this, even Deborah Cox. Deborah Cox is an actual, she's, she's well known. She made it in America. She made it um, in the UK, but she didn't get that level of success. You know, that Tamia did. Tamia is another one. And people kind of knew her because she was married to a famous basketball player, right? So they kind of attached that to her and I kind of give a little bit more, but she has some amazing raw talent. Um, 
And then there's Drake, everybody knows Drake, right? So it's sad that we know more about what people are contributing to music and breaking that scene. Julie Black is another one, actually. I just want to say her because she is so fundamental to the development of music and even Black women coming up and performing and getting out there and trying to show their stuff. She laid down the foundation for so many, her and Cardinal and um, Mishy Me, even like there's so many of them during that. I was time. waiting for you to say Mishy Me. I knew she was coming down the pipe, yeah. <laughs> There was another one as well, you know, I, I kind of jumped to Julie Black because I listened to um, an interview with her recently and she was talking about things that she's doing in the community with, I believe, a boys and girls club at a center. And so that stuck out to me, what she was trying to do um, to uh, some Black initiative program that she has going on, something to that effect. But that's why I mentioned her first. But Mishimi, all of them, they were very, very um, fundamental to what music was and contributing to that. So Lincoln Alexander. Boom! Did you see how she did that? Lincoln Alexander. That was awesome. Next question for our guests is, when was the Anti-Slavery Act on this land passed? Again, very unfortunately, I have no idea. And I should, but I don't. Sorry, my question is, there was, there was an Anti-Slavery Act in Canada? Okay, I'm, I'm hoping it was in the late 19th century, but I don't know. Um, oh my gosh, this is so bad because my boyfriend is a, like a historian. He'd be so disappointed at me right now. <laughs> um, I want to say the late, like 18, I don't know, 90. 47 some it's so bad I don't know history was not my favorite subject clearly um and again like I said when I was learning history and stuff like that like these weren't things that they were teaching us these are things like anything I know about um slavery and the black culture or even you know like things like Rosa Parks and stuff I wasn't learning that in school I did not learn that in school. You know, I'm a little disappointed actually having this conversation that these weren't um, things that were being even taught in my household. But then I guess that just comes down to, you know, we all adapt towards society standards and those are the things that leave impressions in our heads. So they're the, you know, the most focal things you think to talk about and we don't talk about these things. So. That actually kind of makes me a little bit sad and disappointed in myself. These are things I should learn more of. And like even being in like college and university, they're not mandatory courses, things like this, you know, they're teaching me like um, civilization, how the world <laughs> became one, you know, I'm learning about Hellenistic culture and I'm learning about like all kinds of things, but this wasn't one of them. And to take a course, a Caribbean culture ancestry course, or anything to do with black slavery, it's like a two, $3,000 course. And then, you, you know, at the time when you're struggling through school, you're not thinking that that's gonna really help you get the job that you want. So you stick with courses that do that. But like having this conversation with you, it would be so much more fulfilling, especially being in a diverse country that we live in with so many different cultures to learn, even just, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg a little bit to learn more about other cultures that we have to cohabitate with, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. I totally hear you. Let's jump to question number four. Who is Lincoln Alexander? Oh my gosh, you did not tell me this was going to be a history class. <laughs> Lincoln Alexander. I don't know. I kind of want to cheat and open up Google and look it up, but I'm not going to. So maybe you can school me a little bit since you're an educator. <laughs> oh, I would fail the class right now. So Lincoln Alexander is the first Black Canadian in the House of Commons, uh, the first Black Canadian in Canadian cabinet, and the first Black lieutenant governor of um, any province in Canada. That's amazing. And Again, I'm sad that, and I'm not gonna say they didn't teach me this, it's very possible, but it's one of those things when someone's telling you a story and you hear a part of it so quick 
and then they're at the end and you're like, you missed that. Your brain doesn't even catch that that was something important. And I think- They, they, they didn't teach you this. They didn't. Okay, see, th that's why. See, I didn't learn stuff like that. And like, even that, it's like, why wouldn't they teach us things, something so important, not even as a color, but just as that's a part of history. You know, it's, it's part of what history was built on. And that's important. So forget about color. Why isn't that something they are exposing us to? Last history question. In what province was Africville? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to... Yes, and I'm going to say maybe it was like somewhere close to Quebec or, you know, like in between Quebec and I don't know. I really don't know. I, I never heard of it. I never even heard of that place. Okay. Uh, so Africville was a part of Halifax mm. that was inhabited by three Blacks. Yeah. And they grew quite a... Uh, a large community and, uh, and, and culture there. And uh, in and around the 1960s, the, uh, the, the government took the land and they leveled Africville um, and they built a community for life. This is uh, crazy because, you know, I know about things of, Black Wall Street. This is American history now, right? And like, there's so much, and the only history that I really know of like Blacks coming here is when they crossed the Underground Railroad. A lot of them, I believe, migrate to like Nova Scotia and places like that, and they still weren't free <laughs> the way we, they, we say they're free. But, you know, that's as far as it gets with that. And, but then we learn so much more about American history. It's like, as if we want to pretend that we're different racism doesn't exist here but that's so far from the truth and if it didn't why wouldn't we talk about these things we have so many cultures coming into the country building it making Canada what it is Canada is different from the rest of the countries really when you see it and but why would we not talk about these things that's crazy no idea I have feeling it was very recent okay okay so that was a little bit of a tough one let's make this one a little easier in what province was africville located i'm, I'm ashamed to say that i don't even know the title africville i'm i'm sorry i'm, I'm gonna guess as well i heard i heard ville so i'm gonna go with quebec this is that crazy because you know I know about things of Black Wall Street this is American history now right and like there's so much and the only history that I really know of like Blacks coming here is when they crossed the Underground Railroad a lot of them I believe migrate to like Nova Scotia and places like that and they still weren't free <laughs> the way we they, we say they're free but you know, that's as far as it gets with that. And, but then we learn so much more about American history. It's like, as if we want to pretend that we're different. Racism doesn't exist here, but that's so far from the truth. And if it didn't, why wouldn't we talk about these things? We have so many cultures coming into the country, building it, making Canada what it is. Canada is different from the rest of the countries, really, when you see it. And but why would we not talk about these things? That's crazy to me. Nova Scotia. April's on fire. Holy. Okay. So remember how she said Lincoln Alexander before? That blew my mind. Because the next question is who is Lincoln Alexander? Oh, gosh. This is making it uh, more and more clear that... Uh, our education system has clearly taught me nothing about black history because I don't know the answer to your question. No, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't hazard a guess. Oh my gosh, you did not tell me this was gonna be a history class. <laughs>
Lincoln Alexander. I don't know. I kind of want to cheat and open up Google and look it up, but I'm not going to. So maybe you can school me a little bit since you're an educator. <laughs> oh, I would fail the class right now. Again, I'm sad that, and I'm not going to say they didn't teach me this. It's very possible, but it's one of those things when someone's telling you a story and you hear a part of it so quick and then they're at the end and you're like, you missed that. Your brain doesn't even catch that that was something important. And I think- They, they, they didn't teach you this. They didn't. Okay, see, th that's why. See, I didn't learn stuff like that. And like, even that, it's like, why wouldn't they- teach us things something so important not even as a color but just as that's a part of history you know it's it's part of what history was built on and that's important so forget about color why isn't that something they are exposing us to he was the lieutenant governor of ontario no of canada of course she knew that one all right next question Lawrence hill and dan hill are a, black painters affiliated with the group of seven. B, the first black sprinters to represent Canada at the Olympics. C, brothers who contributed to Canadian arts and culture. Or D, brothers who contributed to Canadian science and technology. Unfortunately, I have no idea. C, but it's a guess, a bit of a guess. There you go. I should have studied for this. Um, <laughs> I'm, I want to say two answers here. I want to either say known as sprinters or arts. And I, I'm hoping I'm wrong. And I would love to hear it for some sort of scientific movement that they invented. That would be amazing but I feel like they don't really highlight too much black people and the innovations that come from the black community. So I don't know, tell me, am I right? Am I wrong? Was I close? I have no idea. I want to say the first sprinters. All there was right. one in 1912. Okay. Okay. So let's bring it up a little bit to the present. What is Black Lives Matter. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Black Lives Matter is um is a general movement um, informed by the need to make society in general keenly aware that there is um, a systemic uh, racist um, ideology that informs the way Black people are treated uh, in North American culture. Um, in, in all areas of life, in all systems, um, and, uh, and that, that, that racist um, hierarchical um, system uh, needs to be addressed in order to create true equality uh, in, in, our, in our society. Um, Black Lives Matter is, my understanding, is a movement that came about in, in reaction to terrible things that happened recently that are not unfortunately uh, new things related to police brutality and targeting of um, black, um, I'm gonna say youth, but black, black people in general. And, um, and it is a movement to raise awareness of that and uh, racism in general. Um, started in the United States, but is a movement that I, I believe and hope is uh, something that's becoming international. So this is very controversial because I think during a time when, especially most recently, the Black Lives Matter has been around for a while, you know, but when everybody was home with COVID, nowhere to go, I think people started to focus a little bit more on there is something called Black Lives Matter. What are these people talking about? I think I've had this debate with many people like, oh, you believe in the organization and it's not about an organization. Like, let's put that aside. Let's put the people aside who might be running their programs and they're all different from what I know of them. Like each state 
is run by someone different. They're not all run by the same person. It all started from somewhere, but it evolved into something bigger, right? Um, but let's look at the ideal, the ideology of what Black Lives Matter means. And we don't need to make it a white or Black thing. It's a right or wrong thing, really. And when we go back to like when Martin, Martin Luther King and, you know, like with that movement that was going to try to make positive change, they weren't just fighting for Black people. People forget them. They think, oh, the, the Black people were this and they were angry and they were, it wasn't that. Like they were fighting for all people. There were Filipinos that were being treated poorly. There were Indians that were being, they were fighting for everybody that migrated there that didn't have a voice. And it was for change for everybody. Right. Um, so I think it's about what Black Lives Matter, the ideology is, and not so much about the organization. I think people have kind of lost focus and distracted themselves by wanting to be angry at something that's highlighting what's going on. And to me, Black Lives Matter is, it's almost like a way of life. You know, it's, it's, it's we're, we should all be seen the same. Like we matter too. We don't matter more. <laughs> we don't matter less. We matter equally. We matter too. All lives matter. You know, it makes me sad because we have these debates about all lives matter. And yes, have some of the riots gotten out of hand? Yeah, people are, some people don't know how to contain and handle and direct their anger, their feelings, their energy. That's a whole separate issue. You know, I'm not condoning burning down cars and stuff like that because I feel like when you can articulate what it is that you want and you need, you can work towards making something positive for the betterment of yourself and everybody else, right? So a lot of people had it right. <laughs> they were protesting, they were camping out. They were, a lot of people had it right. And then you had the few and we hi highlighted the few <laughs> to make them look like the masses that were you know, not knowing how to properly and effectively displace their anger, their outrage. Um, but if we look at Black Lives Matter and what it's meant to be, it's to bring light to there's issues that are happening in our community. You know, it's sad when you look on TV and you see them fighting for extinct animals. But then when it's a Black person or a person of color, not just Blacks, because the Natives are going through it too. They've, they've been going through it, right? Um, every culture goes through it. Right now, since COVID, the Asian community has gone through it. Like, I, I know it sounds bad. But I feel for like the first time in a long time, they understand what it feels like to be almost, almost in the shoes of a Black person, where people are prejudging you. They don't want to have any association with you. They want to stereotype what kind of person you are based on things they've seen and heard on the news. That's the same thing that's happening with COVID. All Chinese people didn't bring COVID and start COVID. That's a whole, like, that's mere ignorance, you know? And I think what the movement should, if it doesn't or didn't stem from that, and my understanding is this is what it meant, is just look at us like people. We're all people, we're all the same. It shouldn't, being a good person shouldn't determine on what the color of the person's skin is that's in need, that you might need to speak up for, you might need to talk up for, you might need to jump in and you know protect at certain times i i grew up with the saying that it takes a village to raise a child there was never no color in that for me so i believe as a community we need to do better and that's the message i get from black lives matter like we all matter the same it's not a problem just with people but people are condoning the problem that they can clearly see we all have eyes we can see what's happening you know where a police culture was formed and now it might not even be racism. It might not even be that the cops are racist, you know, like that are out there. And it's it's a culture that they have adapted to and formed that becomes this power-driven superiority. Like they are above the law when they are the law. But, you know, there is a process with the judicial system. And we're seeing because our lives aren't looked at as they matter, right, by most of society that the culture has adapted to, it's okay whatever we do to them. It's okay to, you know, um, pull them over without cause just to harass and show power because we can. Um, it's, it's crazy to, based on your skin color, like you 
get more severe sentences for minor petty crimes when we have big corporations who are committing crimes to their employees and everybody else in a legal way every day you know um anyways that's a whole nother topic but I just I think Black Lives Matter was just a movement that somebody started and people you know like everything else found ways to monopolize on it and to push it into something that was beneficial for them everybody has an agenda to a certain extent you know and it just turned into something that is not what it was meant for. And I think as people, we have the ability to decipher, <laughs> to take in information, to process that knowledge and decipher for ourselves what it is I want to do with that information. You know, we all wear lenses. We all are like cameras, different perspective, different lenses. You see it and then you examine and then you go with what the best, you know, resolution is. And I think that people are... Some people just don't want to see the truth because they, I think I think what's been going on is a lot of people feel guilty because they feel like I've been a part of the problem and not the solution. I've been complacent, you know, because they've turned a blind eye and they know they have, right? So I think a lot of the um, negative association or feelings towards Black Lives Matters, yes, some of it's organizational, and with everything, there's gonna be some kind of um, negativity. Nothing's always going to work out perfectly, especially the more heads you have at one table. <laughs> like there's always gonna be some kind of conflict, right? So I think, um, I think if people deciphered for themselves what they wanna take from the message that's really, really trying to be branded into our brains, into a new society is that we all are equal and we have a government and we're, if we're going to have a government structure, then we need to, everybody who follows those laws need to be treated equally going down, right? It doesn't matter if you're black, you're white, if you're a lawyer, I'm a doctor, if I'm a cleaner or, you know, you're a teacher and I'm, you know, whatever, a bus driver, like it doesn't matter. We're all people, we're all working. We all have the same goal at the end of the day and that is to survive and provide. You know, and that's basic things in life. We're just asking, we're not asking for more of, we're just asking for basic things in life. Can we breathe? Can we walk down the street and not be targeted? Can I walk into a store and not look like people are looking at me because they think I'm going to steal? I have money just like everybody else, you know, like why, why me? I think, you know, but anyways. I think a lot of things and I don't want to sit here talking to you forever about <laughs> all the things that I think, but yeah, I think that's what black lives matters is. It's just see us as people, you know, and, but to be honest with you, I feel like no matter what we called it, you know, people came up with their own thing. All lives matters. Well, if all lives mattered, <laughs> we wouldn't be here right now. You know, um, people ran with it and turned it into whatever they wanted to. And I think we could have called it, uh, I don't know, like anything. Let's save the lives of our children. And they would have still found a problem. Like, but what about our children? I, I don't think it had anything to do with it just singling out or seeming as if it's singling out Black Lives Matter. I think it had a lot to do with people weren't comfortable and aren't ready, still aren't ready in 2021 to understand and realize and accept that like a lot of these things are still happening today. We think we're so evolved, but yet these things are still happening. And we're all, all of us, we're all walking by like it's nothing. We're in our own bubble. You know, we've lost touch with the important things. And I don't know. It's sad. So that, that leads uh, into my next question, which... It is a movement related to the discrimination and violence against Black people um, and reminding us that they have a voice and that they matter. All right, so let's get into a hard-hitting one here. In our podcast, we talk about racism in a whole bunch of different ways. It can be thoughts about race all the way up to the most vile actions that are around negative attitudes towards other races. With all of that in mind, we asked, are you racist? Yes, I mean, that's, that's a very, it's a very hard question to answer in that it, uh, 
my, my first reaction is to deny that I ever have because there's a, there's a certain feeling of, of shame involved in admitting it. But, uh, but I, I, also, I also recognize the importance of admitting that yes, I have had um, those thoughts because um, I also recognize that those thoughts uh, in my own life have been informed by what I've learned um, through my education uh, in the society that I live in for all the reasons that, that, you know, that has um, created the, the Black Lives Matter movement, all the reasons that, that uh, underpin that have also informed the way that I've been taught to see Black people in my, in my own life. And I, I also wanna as a, say sort of in parentheses, as, as a gay man and as a gay Jewish man, I, I also catch myself having um, prejudicial thoughts uh, related to other gay people and sometimes other Jewish people, including myself, that I've learned. So sort of a, almost like a, a, a self-imposed um, homophobic perspective. Um, and I think the same thing happens uh, on occasion with, uh, with black people. Uh, I'll catch myself having a thought um, that just ties in with, um, with what I've been taught in terms of how to perceive a black person. Fortunately, I'm, I'm happy to say that I can now immediately witness myself having that thought and identify that that thought is false, is a, is a, is a created, um, uh, is, is a created idea that that isn't my own and that isn't based in any reality or truth. And I can, I can, um, I can dismantle it quickly and replace it with, with a loving thought that is based in truth and equality. That's, that's the, the answer I can give you. Sorry, Michael, could you repeat the question? Sorry, I just wanted to hear the, the yeah, wording. No problem. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a question about whether um, you have ever caught yourself um, either in racist thoughts or racist actions, um, and and whether you've ever sort of you know whether it's the most mild or the most extreme, uh, you know, have you ever considered yourself in in some way to to have those racist tendencies? I mean, I I think um, if you'd asked me twenty years ago, I would have just said, but I'm not racist, and I I think that everybody is the same, and everybody has the same rights, and everybody should be treated the same way which obviously I do still believe, but I, I think what, and, and I'm not sure if it's come out of Black, Black Lives Matter or just, I don't know, growing up and being older, but I think it's really important for me and, and people in general, just to realize that we, we, we all have prejudices, like everybody has prejudices, whether it's based on somebody's race or somebody's age or somebody's gender or their sexuality, everybody has prejudices. And, and I think, for me, it's just constantly questioning that of thinking, oh, my knee jerk reaction towards this person because of A, B, C, or D is this, and just thinking, why, where, where does that come from? Why, why am I thinking that? And just recalibrating. So I, um, as much as I um, intellectually do believe that everybody is equal and should have the same respect and should be treated exactly the same way. I, I am prejudiced. I have prejudices that I need to acknowledge and 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 address and and steer away from that. But I think it's really important because if you don't if you don't even admit that, then it's not going to go anywhere. I don't. So I see myself as black. I am black. My dad is half Indian. And my um, mother's grandfather, so my grandmother's dad is Irish, right? So I do have some mix in my line, right? And people say to me all the time, like, why don't you say you're mixed? Or why don't you? And I, my response is that people see me how they see me. Like, I'm going to sit there and explain to them that I'm this and that. Like, what they see is what I am. I am a black woman. That's how I'm treated in this world. I'm, 
I experienced racism from Indian people, but they don't even know I'm half, you know, quarter Indian. My dad, like my grandfather's an Indian man. <laughs> when you look at him, like I was shocked looking at photos. He passed away, so I never got to meet him. You know, I look at my dad's side and all his sisters um, are Indian. And those are my aunts. And it's kind of weird because when I look at myself, I don't fully identify with looking like them based on like the, the hair they have or even some of the features, like slightly, you know. Um, and then I look at my mom's side and there's so many different mixes. Like we have cousins with green eyes and, you know, like this. So, but the way society sees me, the way I'm treated is as a black woman. So why would I sit there and explain to them and try to convince them that I'm something else. I mean, I am who I am. And I don't think that that should even be relevant in determining whether or not I'm a good person or whether or not you want to be my friend or whether or not I should get this job or anything. I don't think those should be factors. So back to your question now, no, I don't see myself as racist. Do I see myself as a realist? People, <laughs> I get into, um, it's a conversations with people and I'll say something, you know, and they'll be like, Oh, that's racist. And I'm like, it's not racist. You know, like when I say, Oh, black people have wider, bigger noses. That's not a racist thing. That's like, we know genetically, like when you look at history, we tend to have wider noses or more voluptuous hips and stuff like that. Like that's how we're genetically made. It's not being racist things or things. And then I'll say like, I feel like I can say stuff because I, I am a mix of these cultures, you know, like I have Irish blood and I can say Irish people like to drink a lot. Like I'm not far-fetched. It's true. <laughs> you go to an Irish pub and they're all having a great time, right? This is all part of my culture. Um, but do I hold any of those things against anybody when they meet people for the first time no I was lucky enough that I grew up in a community where I was blended with cultures I went to a school downtown where I was blended with cultures you know I didn't know we never talked about it in my household my mom never was one of those people who said don't play with the little white kids over there or don't play with the like, she never said that we never talked about race so when I experienced it for the first time it was weird to me. I was just a very observant kid. I like, you know, I took in the world. So I, I knew that certain things weren't right when they were said, you know, now I'm older and I look back and I was like, wow, like, you know, I felt hurt at that time, but now I'm looking back and I feel sad for that kid because I can only imagine what was happening or being said in the home or what their mind was being, you know, diluted with. So no, my kids even, I remember the first time my son realized he was black and it was funny, you know, and he, it, it's funny to him because he thought of me as I was white because my hair was blonde at the time. And he was like, you're black. And I was like, yeah. And to me, that just showed me like how innocent kids are and like racism is taught, you know, and I was not taught that. Now, have I maybe built up defense walls a little bit with certain races that treated me poorly, maybe a little bit, but I'll never hold that against the next person I meet, you know, like, I'm just a little bit careful because I'm like, oh, is that what they all really think of me, right, you know, and then you meet the one that shows you like, no, everybody doesn't think like that, and I see you for who you are, not what you look like, and you're like, wow, okay, so people are good, people are like me, because that was one of the lessons I had to learn in life that I can't be expecting everybody to think and feel and act the way I do. And when I do, it's disappointment because that's not realistic. We're all our own people, right? So I do like to believe that there are people like that. And when I do meet people like that, I'm, I'm so I'm happy because I'm like, you know, another person who you can let your guards down and your walls down and you know, like they actually see you as you and they're not judging you or they're not afraid to bring you around their family or friends because you're a different color and this is their whole side life, you know? This is their bad side. They're hanging out with a black girl, right? So it's, um no, I've never felt like I'm, I'm racist. I love all people. I like, for me, I like people who have passion and who are good and who are always willing to help others, you know? That's, and whatever color you come in, you can come in purple, green, blue, yellow, brown, like, I'm going to like you because those are the quality traits and characteristics that I like in people. So, no, I've never seen myself as racist. I don't teach my children that. 
Um, my son is a teen, his girlfriend was Filipino. He has like, you know, he's going through his changes. He's experiencing stuff. Like I'm not one of those parents that are going to be like, you can't be with anybody outside of your black race or this race or anything. Like I always tell him, I'm like, first of all, focus on school because school is the most important thing. And like, you don't need to worry about girls. There'll be many, <laughs> I promise you. And two, like, I don't really care as long as it's somebody who actually treats you nice and cares about you and has your best interests at heart. That's what I want for you in your future, you know? Like, and hopefully you guys will be beautiful grandchildren, but other than that, like, you know, other than that, like, no, it's just, you know, you find someone who's good to you and who makes you the best version of yourself and that's it. Like, same with your friends, like the friends you keep around, he has a mix of friends, you know? and they genuinely see him as a person. So it makes me happy. They're not, you know, they're all good kids. So I'm happy. Like, that's what I want him to experience and have. We never taught him about race. And it's sad because I feel like every culture, so are we racist? Not necessarily to other people, but sometimes we're racist amongst ourselves, you know? And it's not just the black community. Yes, we do in the black community where like, oh, you're too dark or you're too light. You're just like, you know, the light skin people get it, the brown skin people, the too dark people get it. But I see it in other communities. I see it in the Indian community. I see it in the Asian community. I see it everywhere, you know, like racism is like a disease, right? And it doesn't skip everybody just because you know your skin's this color makes you less racist we're racist to ourselves you know I think just we need to do better we need to understand I think we need a more clear understanding of what racism really is because people just classify as anything you say something and it's not politically correct you're automatically racist and that's not necessarily the case um but you know racism has a lot to do with not just what's being said but also behaviors and people need to look out for behaviors because sometimes what's being said isn't in correlation with the behavior so and it goes both ways you'll have pretty much it no I don't consider myself racist um and yeah that's I don't consider myself to be racist but I realize that I probably have racist tendencies to bring it home we have our last question what do you do to celebrate and commemorate Black History Month? Good question. Um, so let me say, let me say that, uh, you know, I, I, growing up in Montreal, um, Black History Month uh, was, never, uh, was never sort of noted or, or marked on the calendar of my own education. Um, I, I only really started learning about it uh, in, in, in my adult life. Um, to me, the, the, the way that I can participate in Black History Month is by consciously tuning in um, to it as a, as a conversation uh, in the way that you're doing now through this podcast, um, but also the, you know, the, the, the way that I, that I frequently engage media most often is by listening to the CBC, um, usually when, you know, when, I'm, when I'm driving in the car. And... Um, Whenever and Black History Month is addressed on the CBC, it's celebrated, and uh, I'm I'm consciously aware of, of of focusing in on 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 tuning into it whenever I can, whenever I hear it being raised as a subject, because I want to learn about it. I, I want to learn about Black history uh, in Canada. I, I want to learn about. I, I want to hear people who have knowledge about uh, Black history and correct the deficit in my in my learning. Um, that is there. Uh, I think that I do that in the same way that I that I like to celebrate um, gay pride. Uh, in that, I don't think that I should be proud of being gay because it's not necessarily an achievement. It's, it's who I am. But uh, having a need for for gay pride is a way to create a space uh, where there's actually an acknowledged dialogue about the existence of gay people and gay history. And I think for me, the, the pride element comes in in being proud of celebrating it, um, being, being proud of being aware of it. And I think the, the same thing in, in a way I can, I can, I can draw a, a connection between that and, and Black History Month in the, I'm not sure if this answers your question, but 
the way that I that I partake in it is by trying to listen to the as many conversations as as I hear or see uh, around me and uh, becoming a, an active listener in that way and and becoming more aware of of Black history. I yeah I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling a bit bad because I'm not aware of specific events that are happening in Montreal to to mark Black History Month. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think if 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 I were at school where I work, I I know that often the teachers with the students they do organize projects around sort of important things like this. Um, that that's not happening at the moment because the school is you know, online. Um, I, to be honest, I, I, I know that there is a Black History Month. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what month it was. Um, I, I think since the whole Black Lives Matter, I, I've, I mean, I read a lot in terms of, I read a lot of fiction and I, I'm, you know, thinking about all of these things, thinking, why why do I only read books by white people? Like, why am I reading white writers from UK, North America, New Zealand, Australia? Why is that what I read? Why is that what I go to? And if I'm choosing programs on Netflix, when when there is a show that is, you know, 100% black cast, why do I just knee-jerk reaction of, well, that's not for me, that's not made for me. And, and I think just coming back to that whole questioning of things, just thinking, but, but why? Why am I even thinking that? And um, I know there's an there's independent bookstore near where we live. And in the summer, at some point it was open. And I went in and they had a whole, you know, they had a whole display of um, books by um, black writers. Some of them were Canadian, some of them were North American. A lot of them were people who lived in North America who, were either immigrants from countries in Africa or their parents have been. And I just said to the woman, I said, just tell me what to read. Just give me three books because it's, it's I don't know, I, I feel like, well, apart from the fact that there are amazing books that should be written, but I think everybody needs to make an effort to see things from somebody else's point of view. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's not that's not connected to Black History Month, but it is connected to I think what's what's been happening in the last you know in the last, in recent months. So, for me, this is funny because growing up as a child um, in the city, my mom, like I said, she was very involved in the community and stuff like that. So we went to like I swear it was like every Black History Month event there was, you know, and it was nice like you went there there was other kids they taught you a little bit of stuff but it was mostly like a fun gathering to get with people within your community you know um learn about different cultures even in the black community because just because we're black we're not all the same <laughs> which many people assume right like there's many different um, islands and continents that make up like black people um how do we celebrate so for me Black History Month is just like Mother's Day and Father's Day. It shouldn't be one day or one month or, you know, a certain section and we're just going to set aside and be like, hey, let's do this like, like it's a tour. I feel like it should be something that by now we should have integrated or should be integrating into an everyday thing. We should be learning about all history. We should celebrate everything all the time, right? Like why we give black people one month and then act like okay well you guys are getting one whole month to yourself so you should be happy like that doesn't make sense to me and the other thing one thing that i was talking to my brother in law about is the that it's what you're learning it's like the same thing every year it's like if it's like every christmas time home alone 2 comes on tv and you watch the same thing every year you know it's like, that can't be it. You're telling me since Rosa Park sat at the front of the bus, that's it stopped for Black people. You know, like Black people aren't making history, 
people of color in general aren't making strides. Like that doesn't make sense. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about people. Let's find people in communities to make people feel like every regular day people can are making a difference and you can too. Let's learn about things that are happening, right? And we're not, we're repeating the same thing over and over and over again every year. And no one's learning anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. I feel like it should be something just like finances should be something that's integrated into school um, curriculum and it should be taught and it should be learned. and. If we want people, especially children, because we say they're our future to do better, then they need to be better than me sitting here answering questions I didn't even know the answers to because I didn't even know. They should know. They should know their history every day, at least for the eight months they're in school. <laughs> you know, it should be like their history. It should be in their history class. Let's not give it a month. Let's add it to the history curriculum. You know, I think... Um, I don't know what to think about it. When I was younger, I was like, oh, this is so cool. We have a month. That's so nice. Like, you know, it's almost like they're throwing us a bone. And I, um, we actually discussed an article, I believe it was in Utah, about a school where the principal sent out a poll, or sorry, they sent out forms for parents who want to opt out of their children learning uh, or participating in Black History Month. And I thought to myself, how is that even an option? Why would they even think that they could, you know, allow parents to even push a question like that and say, we don't want to. That should have been like, look, it's part of our curriculum and this is what it is. It's important, like out of all places, America, <laughs> like you, we're living in the country that slaves built <laughs> and you don't want to learn about that. You don't want your kids to know about their history. like." let's get real this is ridiculous and it's one month you know not even a full month February is the shortest month of the year so you're cut down on the learning capacity that you can even take in like how much can you learn in a month you know we take a one class for a whole semester for three four months and even then can you retain all that information you remember the important things you pick them out and you write them on your test so one month I don't know and then we talk about the same thing, like, yeah, it's great. Martin Luther had a dream. Okay, we all know this now, you know? Let's, let's learn more. Let's learn about Black people who invented things. Let's learn about, you know, um, like you said, the first prime minister in chambers or whoever we need to learn about, you know? Let's learn about these things. Let's not say the same thing over and over again, because clearly it's not what's making change. You know, now we need to come up with new dreams and we need to change with the times a little bit to not only adapt, but break chains that have been holding everybody back for so long. And I'm very, very hopeful. And like I said, it's the children, right? So we give them the information they need. They're already a little bit ahead of us in terms of like being outspoken, not caring, <laughs> you know, not caring in two ways. One way, it's a good way. One way, it's a bad way. We see both sides with these kids today but you know like they're not worried so much about what people think you know like you'll see a whole different group of races and cultures walking together and and now they're blended in with what they even like you'll see the hip hopper with the skater and the you know like it doesn't even matter anymore like there's no oh we're banding over here and you're banding over there like when I was in school the cool kids stayed here and the nerds stayed there. No, the nerds are hanging out with the skaters and they're with the genos and whatever they call them now. I don't even know what they call them now, but. Um, it sounds yeah. like you're my vintage. Yeah, probably. I'm pretty sure we're neck and neck. But um, yeah, it's, you know, it's we need them to know this information because you can only improve yourself when you know yourself, right? And that's the sad part. That's why I said after this today, like, I'm going to go back and my boyfriend's gonna be disappointed because he's gonna know all these answers <laughs> and but I'm gonna learn more because that was something that I said to my brother-in-law recently I was like you know like not that I didn't I wasn't interested before I didn't want to know I'm like but having all the time in the world with COVID 
when you have all the time, you don't actually have all the time, but having more time and like your eyes opening to things a little bit more, I'm like, it's really a time for self-searching and not just self-searching like me and my characteristics now, but like where I came from and where do I want to go? What do I want to see for my children's future? Uh, so I don't do anything to celebrate Black History Month because I don't think that we should be celebrating uh, just a month of Black history. I believe that Black history should be celebrated all 12 months of the year. These conversations and the answers to these questions have brought so many ideas to my mind, and I hope the same for all of you. Please follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Skin Forecast. Join in the conversations, and if you want to give your answers to the questions, we would love to see what you have and what thoughts come to mind as you are listening to this episode and thinking about your answers to the questions. Thank you very much on behalf of all of us here at Skin. I'm Michael Anthony. Till next time.